Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Hey, family. We want really good things for you. I want great things for you and for your life, whatever's going on, whatever your circumstances. And so before we dive in today, I'm going to bless you, and I genuinely want these good things for your life. I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit today. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need today, whatever help from God you need immediately. I bless you to have the courage and resilience to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace Whatever's going on, I bless you with those things. In the name of Jesus, may it be. Amen. Amen. Welcome back to our study in Ephesians chapter 6. As I said last week, my heart for this study is this. I don't want the enemy to blow up your life anymore. I don't want the enemy to keep blowing up your life. And so I want you to stand strong in Jesus. I want you to understand what's really going on behind the scenes in your life, in your circumstances. And so we're diving into this study because we don't want the enemy to keep blowing up our lives. So we read this last week as we started our study in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. We read, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day And having prepared everything to take your stand, and then it's going to go on to say stand. But before Paul talks about the armor, and we are going to be getting there today, at least the beginning of it today, he wants us to know why. Why is this such a big deal? Why do we need it? Why do we aggressively, intentionally need to be about putting on the full armor of God? And the basic reason is, as we kind of summed it up last week, all hell is against you. The, 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 the forces of, uh, of, of darkness are, are against you. The enemy is against you. There is a very real and in, invisible enemy against you who is attacking your life, who is attacking your mind, attacking your emotions, attacking your heart, attacking your, your situations. And the enemy is going to be very successful at blowing up your life unless you are strengthened by God and by his vast strength. 
unless you are putting on the full armor of God and unless you are acutely aware of what's really, really going on, lest you react to the wrong things and respond in situations ineffectively. So that's where we're going for today. Now, <clears throat> if you find this stuff weird, <laughs> it is, right? It is weird thinking this way. It is weird. Ooh, invisible forces of hell are against me. Oh, wow, this is weird. But that's exactly why we're talking about it, because we think this is weird. Just because it's weird doesn't mean it isn't real and isn't what's really going on. The Bible is very clear telling us what is going on so that we don't have to be confused by our circumstances, by confused by the challenges in our life's stories, in our, in our situations. There's a particular story in the Old Testament that I've always found fascinating since, since a kid, especially the first couple chapters of it and then the last couple chapters of it. It's, it's the book of Job, right? You start the book of Job, you get introduced to this guy in chapter 1, a righteous guy, a godly guy, and then it's like the curtains are pulled back and you get to see what's going on and we get to see as the readers, thousands of years later, what is going on behind the scenes, whereas Job doesn't see this. He doesn't know what's going on in, in, in his experience. He is experiencing pain. Oops, I gave it away. Yeah, he will experience pain. And yet, uh, we get to know why and what is happening. So we get to see that, that, that the enemy um, goes to God and says, hey, uh, or actually God says to, to, to Satan, he says, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him. And basically the enemy is like, yeah, but let me throw pain into his life, and he will curse you to your face. I mean, that, that's kind of the enemy's perspective on your life as well. If I can just put enough pain in your life, you'll turn on God. If I can just, if I can just make your life miserable to you, I could probably get you to turn against God and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, he, he thinks he can do that with Job, and so God's like, well, give it a go. So... Uh, Job, in, so the enemy goes out and he takes away all Job's wealth and there's a tragedy that takes place and the house that his kids are in collapses. Very devastating. Very devastating. Very painful. Does that pain cause Job to turn against God? Well, we read this in Job chapter 1 verse 20. His response was this. Then Job stood up, tore his robes, and shaved his head. He's making good choices. He fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Throughout all of this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. Okay, chapter 1, so far, so good. Some pain has come into his life. Extreme, a lot of pain has come into his life. He does not blame God or turn against God. So far, so good. Well, the enemy says, uh, let's increase the pain factor. And so he ends up bringing uh, intense skin pain and, and health issues. Hey, the enemy kind of thinks, if I can wreck someone's health, mental health, physical health, whatever, <clears throat> if I can wreck someone's health, then, then they will turn against God eventually and, and they'll, they'll, you know, accuse God of, of not being good or whatever the case may be. Now, so he, he does that and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that, it's, that Job doesn't know what's going on here. Job doesn't know that, that there is a, a test going on in the heavens. 
He doesn't know that, that there's a contest that will, will Job experience pain and still believe God is good? Will Job experience pain and still believe God is worthy of great worship? Or will he experience pain and dull on the worship front? Grow a little bit spiritually cold. Uh, grow a little bit, push God away a little bit. Well, anyways, the, the diseases are, are piling up, or the, his misery is, is piling up with his health, and, and, and eventually his wife speaks the words of the enemy, and his wife says to him in chapter 2, verse 9, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. <clears throat> you speak as a foolish woman speaks, he told her. Should we ex- accept only good from God and not adversity? Throughout all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. Uh, it's just amazing. I think it's, it's, it's extra amazing, not just because he's going through this pain, because he doesn't even really know what's going on with the spiritual forces of evil in, in the heavenly realms, but he is standing strong in the Lord. He is not turning against God. He's not cursing God. He's not accusing God of evil, at least in these first couple chapters. Over time, it seems to wear on Job. Day after day, pain, his health continuing to be a challenge, his, his friends, uh, that time with them. He does seem to start crossing a few lines there as time goes by. He starts to believe some, maybe some untrue things about God. Maybe. He starts to go that direction. One of the major aims of the enemy is to get you to believe untrue things about God. One of the major things that the enemy wants to do is to get you, to convince you, to convince your heart, your mind, whatever, to believe things about God that are not true. In in Job's case, maybe that God's not paying attention to him or that God isn't going to be fair in this situation or whatever the case may be. The aim of the uh, the enemy is trying to get you, one of the aims is to get you to believe things about God that are are just not true. In in John chapter 8, Jesus tells us that Satan, the enemy, is a liar and the father of lies. The enemy is the liar and the father of lies. He is the deceiver and he is shameless in his lies towards you. He is going to be aggressive in getting you to believe lies about yourself Lies about your circumstances, lies about your friends or your value, or just lies about God in general and who he is. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul sets up this why we need to put on the full armor. He says, we, because there's this, there's this real uh, invisible enemy battle going on against you and against your situation. And so we need to take up the full armor of God. And where does he start with the full armor? He starts with this. Ephesians 6.14. Stand, therefore, with truth. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. How do you keep the enemy from blowing up your life by getting you to turn away from God 
or to step away from God when life gets painful and when life gets tough. You start your stand with truth. You start your stand with truth and you go back to the basic, basic, simple, glorious, wonderful, yet simple truths about God that even a child knows. The simplest truths about God. When the the enemy starts attacking, when the enemy starts coming at you, you fiercely return to the simple about God. The simple truth about God. The enemy knows that if he can get you to believe lies about God, and if he can get you to believe lies about yourself, and if he can get you off track, he can really blow up your life. All of of humanity was wrecked, according to Genesis chapter 3, by the liar trying to convince people that God was lying. You're not going to die if you eat this. You won't won't die. The liar's calling God a liar. How, how How classless. Is that? Friends, the first attack against humanity was the, the liar trying to get us to not believe God, to, to, to not believe that what God said was true. And so I, I want, I've scrolled this on napkins this week. I, this, I've, I've written this in, in different ways because I didn't want to forget it. I had it in my original draft, but I kept worrying it wasn't in each draft. I, I kept writing, I, I've, got, I've got them around my house. What I really want to say is, if you ever find yourself mad at God, if you ever find yourself angry at God, if you ever find yourself bitter, feeling bitter towards God, a bit repulsed by God, if God kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and you're not really interested in God right now. Maybe you're feeling disappointed or let down or whatever. If you ever find yourself in one of those places about God, the enemy is messing with you. And all you need to do is start returning to the basic, basic truths about God so that you can start to stand against that enemy's attack against your life. What kind of basic truths am I talking about? How about this one? God is good. God is good. God is so good. God is so good. Friends, this one always comes under attack. If you're feeling that God isn't good... You are under attack. The liar is, is coming at you. The, the, the God is good. God is always good. In fact, when Jesus is being asked a question in, John, in Mark chapter 10, why do you call me good? Only God, is, God alone is good. God is the only good. There is only one that is good, and, that, and, and, that, and that's God. You know you're under the attack when you start to doubt that God is good. How? You might be like, how can God be good if there's pain in my life? Well, back to the beginning. God is good. God is always good. And yet we have some questions here because there's some pain and there's some hurts and all that kind of stuff. But what we know is God is good. So what else is going on then? 
But we deal with, we face the pain starting with the truth. Okay, the truth is, is God is good. We start or stand with truth. God is good. Whatever else is happening, whatever awfulness, the issue is not that God is not good. There's something else going on. God is good. Other simple truths. God sees. Simple. God sees you. God sees. Have you ever thought? <laughs> Probably. That God is not paying attention to you or your, your, your situation or your prayers or whatever. That God's not, God's not, he might know you're that way if he thought about it. He's just not thinking about it. He's not, he's not, he's not seeing. That, that's a lie from the liar. The liar's messing with you. God sees you. He sees you here. He sees you now. He sees you, he sees you everywhere. He sees your whole situation better than you see your situation yourself. He, 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 the liar wants you to believe God's not noticing. Whatever awfulness is going on, you can go back to the simple truth, God sees me. God sees this. God sees. And God knows. God knows. I put that in all, in all caps, God knows, because God knows knows. He, he, he knows, he knows, he understands your situation a bajillion times more than you understand your own situation. He understands your thoughts, your motives, your wounds, your pains, the reason why you're, you're feeling this way, and the thoughts and motives of an, and, and situation and behind everybody involved in this situation or that will ever be impacted by the situation, past, present, and future. He knows about what will happen if he acts now, what will happen if he acts in a week, what will happen if he acts in a year. He knows all the ramifications. God knows. We call, he's all-knowing. <laughs> Which means he knows. He knows. The liar wants you to doubt that God really knows as good as you know. I mean, don't you know your own situation better? I saw this on the Babylon Bee the other day. Man just doesn't understand why God, who is infinitely wiser than he, would have different opinion from him sometimes. The absurdity, right? And yet we think this way about a vast many things connected to morality and, 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 and our situations or whatever's going on. We generally think this way, baffled that, that God could have a different, the all-knowing God, the one who knows knows, could have a different thought than we do. And we judge God based on our thoughts. Uh, ironically, evilly, I think probably evilly is the right word there. Wow. God knows. He knows, knows. So you start your stand with truth. You anchor deeply in the fact that the all-knowing God is knowing and very aware of your situation. He knows every aspect of it even better than you do, vastly better, infinitely better than you do. He knows. He also cares. God cares. You just come back to the basics. He does, he cares, he loves you, loves you. He does, he doesn't like, I love you, but I just don't like you right now. No, he's not. He he genuinely, he cares. He, he, he feels genuine affection for you. He cares about you in your grief. He cares about you in your sorrows. He cares about you in your pain and your situations. He cares about you in your hurting. The liar wants you to believe that God doesn't care. 
And he's going to throw up accusations because he's an accuser. He's going to, well, because you sinned, so therefore God doesn't care. Or because, because, you know, look at your life. There's This stuff's going on in your life right now, so obviously God doesn't care because you're living through this. Or, or God doesn't care because you're not lovable and, and, and who could love you anyway. I mean, this is the liar. Whatever works for you, he, he's going to run with that. Whatever the lie, the enemy says that you probably shouldn't trust God right now because he, really, he doesn't really care. Like he's got other things on his mind. Have you seen what's going on in the news these days? You, you're, 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 he doesn't really care. But friends, you've got to stand in truth. The liar is going to want to keep making you turn, feel worse about God, turn against God. Job seems to battle with this kind of thinking as well. It's a very common attack of, of the enemy. But we start our stand with truth. We, get, we are unshakably rooted in our confidence that whatever awful is going on in our lives, God cares. The issue is not that God doesn't care. There's other things going on, but that's not the problem. Fifthly, it's impossible for God to lie. It's an anchor one for me. I've had experiences like this where I feel like God's been like, hey, speaking something good about my life or a situation. Repeatedly, I believed it. You know, maybe you've had experiences like this where you feel like God's, and then the time comes and goes and nothing happens. It didn't happen, or it's worse, or whatever. You ever, you ever had one of those moments? Those can be painful moments. Those can be confusing moments, moments where maybe some people stop just kind of thinking that God speaks or God speaks to them anymore because they had a bad experience, and, 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 they, and they feel, well, the enemy has tempted them to feel like God has lied to them. You ever feel like God lied to you? That's the enemy. That's the enemy at work. Anytime you find yourself in a confusing moment when it comes to God, we always return to these basic truths. It is impossible, Hebrews chapter 6, for God to lie. Fact. So whatever I'm experiencing, whatever confusion I'm experiencing, whatever just happened back then with what I felt like God was saying, whatever's going on, I can start with the truth that, okay, God didn't lie to me. That, I've got to take that one off the table because it's impossible for God to lie. Something has happened. Something is going on here, but it's not that. I'm not going to start accusing God of lying. That would be evil. That would be what the enemy would want me to do. And sixthly, God can always be trusted. Always. I'll tell you, most of us have our, our liar limits. Where the enemy knows you have a line, a line where you're like, I will trust God up till this point. I will give him up to 30 days until the deadline. And then he had his chance. I will take it over from here. I will take matters into my own hands. The enemy wants to say, you know, you, you can't really trust God right now because, I mean, if he doesn't deliver, that would be really embarrassing and so... Uh, probably not safe to trust him. Maybe you shouldn't step out in obedience here. Maybe you shouldn't, you know, you, you just can't trust God. This, this pain that you're feeling right now, it proves that you can't really trust God. That's the enemy at, at work winding you up. Now, friends, we start or stand with truth. And whatever awfulness we're in, 
whatever pain we find ourselves in, whatever confusion we're in, we just keep going back to what are the basic, always 100% certainly true things about God. And then we start moving forward from there. The enemy wants to blow up your life. He wants to blow up your life by convincing you that God isn't good, that he doesn't see, that he, he doesn't care, that he doesn't know as well as you do, that, that he's not good, that, that, you know, that he's lying to you or whatever. The enemy wants to throw all kinds of doubt in, into your lives and, and these simple truths about God, and then you can add some others. He wants to lie to you about the fact that you know, God hears you, or maybe that you are forgiven, forgiven, or maybe that God is really real, or that the Bible can be trusted, or Jesus, it, that, that's all true. The Jesus stuff is true. Like the enemy, he's just going to want to throw lies at you any way he can. He's shameless about that. But anytime you find yourself doubting or confused or hurting or mad at God, just keep going back to those very simple truths. You're in a very real battle. There's an enemy trying to get you to turn against God. You need to stand strong and you need to put on the full armor of God. And that starts with truth. Back to Job for a moment. Job seems to, I want to be careful with this because I really like Job a lot. He seems to fade a little bit. He, he seems to start to accuse God of some wrongdoing. God doesn't do wrong. But you see this in Job 19. Job says, then understand that it is God who has wronged me. And has caught me in his net. And with that I just start to, I want to remind you there's, there's 42 chapters in the book of Job. We're in chapter 19 here. We don't just win the war for truth on day one or day two. You've got to stay with it, especially in extended pain seasons. You've got to keep winning the war for truth day after day, month after month, year after year. God seems to call out Job on this in chapter 40. God says, would you really challenge my justice? Would you declare me guilty to justify yourself? You really going to say that I'm the one in the wrong here? Now, I, I, I love Job. I, I, love, I love how this story has been preserved through the ages as a warning for us. The enemy wants to blow up our lives. So we stand firm. We keep standing firm with the belt of truth resolutely buckled around our, 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 our waist as long as it takes. Paul, who's writing Ephesians 6 for us, he had one of those Job-like experiences. He gets a vision from God to cross over. He gets a vision from God. He's supposed to go to this area, Macedonia, Macedonian vision. So he, 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 he is faithful to this. He obeys God and he goes across. And what happens to him at the first city, Philippi? He gets thrashed. He has such a severe beating. He writes about it later, just how awful this particular beating was. He, he and Silas get beaten with rods in Philippi. Illegally, illegally, uh, unjustly, thrashed with rods, drug into an inner prison cell, put in stocks and chains, and put in the, in a, in this inner, in the innermost place. Their, their wounds are not cleaned. They're not tended. They're just dumped into a prison cell. We know this because of what it will happen in a little bit, but they're just dumped in this prison cell overnight just after the, the severe beating, which seems to have had a lingering impact on him for, for quite some time. By the way, Paul's life wasn't blown up because he was beaten without mercy or without justice. 
That's not what, Paul didn't get his life blown up because of that. Paul's life wasn't blown up because they drug him into a prison cell and it was illegal and unfair. That didn't blow up his life, but he has a pain test here. The enemy is clearly against Paul's ministry. There's a pain test here. How did Paul and Silas respond? Did they, did they respond like, God, we trusted you, and you proved that we couldn't trust you because we've been beaten by rods? No. No, they don't do that. Like, did they, they say, God, if you were really good to me, I wouldn't be in prison right now. No. No. How did Paul and Silas r- respond? Not by turning against God in their pain, but by turning to God in their pain. And we find them beaten and in an inner prison cell, praying and worshiping. Worshiping. They were unshaken by their awful circumstances because they were standing with truth, buckled around their waist. And in their pain, they believed that God was still good and still most worthy of being worshipped right then and right there. Whilst they're bleeding on the prison floor. And as they worship, earthquake strikes, doors fly open, chains fall free. God is good. Always worthy of worship. But the newsflash is that the liar is a liar. And he is lying to you about God. And and, and in a huge way that you are going to be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes against you is to stand with truth. So here's the challenge, and I, I hope you can do it. The challenge is I want you to identify three sneaky lies that the enemy is trying to get you to believe about God that are different from what the Bible says about God. Choose truth and stand. So how you might do that is you might think about, oh, I don't really like God right now. For these reasons, okay, there is some, there's some, mis- there's some lies there in that pocket. Or, I don't trust God in this area of my life for these reasons. Okay, there's some lies there. I, that's where I would explore. Pockets of pain where you're hesitant when it comes to God, His goodness. See if you can identify the lies that you're being fed and reject them and stand again in truth. The truths of God are, are amazing. Basic truths, like you are forgiven, you're chosen, you are dearly loved, you are, you are adopted into God's family, you are made holy, God likes you. Wow, God is good. Let me pray for us here. And, and I invite you to just close your eyes for a second and start thinking through the basic truths that you might need to return to. God, open our eyes. So that we can see the schemes, the lies of the enemy that that have been bombarding our hearts and our minds. Help us to reject those. Shatter those lies in our minds, in our hearts right now. And spirit of truth come and invade all of our minds. Replacing lies with truth so that we declare and we worship together, God is so good. He's so good to me. Father, we love you. We trust you. 
Help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen.